Well, good morning again. I, uh, I love this time of year. I love the Christmas season. And uh, we're in a series called What's So Special About Christmas? And we're going to take a look at one of my favorite parts of it. It's really the post-Christmas story, but it's still very cool. I've had the amazing pleasure of uh, being a dad. I love being a father. I've got uh, two old grown sons and two grown daughters and four grandkids, and uh, it is the, the joy of my life. This last Wednesday when I sat down to uh, begin this message, to write this message, it was actually uh, my son's, my baby boy, my youngest son's 28th birthday. Now I'm here to tell you, when your baby turns 28, you start to feel a little old. But uh, I, I had a great time just investing some time in prayer for him and asking God to bless him. And, and one of the things that I thought about, and it relates to the story today, is how much I loved uh, as a young father those last few weeks of my wife being pregnant. I loved the wondering and the waiting. Uh, this was back, you know, before they had cars and telephones. And, and uh, <laughs> we, we, you know, I, I think they did ultrasounds, but we didn't know whether we're having a boy or a girl. So for me, it was the wonder of, is it going to be a son or a girl? And that was always exciting. And then I love, I love the waiting. Now, typically, I am not very patient. If you know me, I'm not a good waiter. I'm the kid in the backseat of the car, driving mom and dad crazy, as I use that famous phrase, which is, are we there yet? Yeah, I mean, I, I, that's, that's me. And I still, you know, am anxious and, and, and intense, and, and uh, I'm not very good at being patient. But for some reason... Uh, those last two or three weeks, you know, three weeks before or after, it's kind of considered on time. I always just love those moments. I remember them as a young dad. I would go to bed at night thinking, I wonder if this is the night the Lord's going to wake me up. go, honey, wake up. Uh, I, I'd go to, you know, work in the morning, and I'd, I'd wonder if I was going to get paged. Now, this, again, was before they had cell phones. Seriously, it was. And we had these things called beepers. <laughs> Anybody remember beepers? Yeah, all the gray heads. Yeah, so I mean, so I, I had a beeper. Because I didn't want to miss it, and I would wait for that, that little beeper to go off and let me know. But for weeks, I'd live with this expectation and this watchfulness, uh, just this watching for that moment. And it was a rush for me. It, was, it, was, it, it energized me more than any cup of coffee I could ever have in the morning. I loved those times. Well, the guy we're going to take a look at today, the reason I love this story, it's about Simeon. It's found in Luke chapter 2. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Luke, the second chapter. And Simeon is this incredible man who was uh, waiting, wide-eyed and watching for the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. This is a guy that lived with that kind of expectation and that hope every day. So Luke chapter 2, we'll pick it up, verse 22. By the way, the, the title of, of this passage in my Bible says, Jesus presented in the temple. Like we did the baby dedication this morning, Jesus, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to be dedicated in the temple. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated, set apart, made special to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now, the Torah, the law of Moses, required that the firstborn son of every Jewish family was to be offered, consecrated to the Lord, dedicated to the Lord's service. And uh, they come, Mary and Joseph, with two, you know, you know, squawking birds in hand to present Jesus just like the law required. And uh, what I want you to see here is that Joseph and Mary, they knew that Jesus was special. I mean, they had an angel announce his birth. Joseph had an angel show up and say, it's okay, Mary, you know, this woman, uh, they... The, that night Jesus was born, the, the shepherds show up. I mean, 
They, they knew that Jesus was special, but what's about to happen to them in the temple is going to blow them away. Let's read on, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. And he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the Messiah. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he'd seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child, Joseph and Mary, brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I'm ready to come home, Lord, is what he's saying. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, that would be most of us, and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what, said, what was said about him. They marveled. They were literally blown away. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, and I think he looked her right in the eye as he prophesied to her, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. Not everybody's going to like him. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Jesus is a baby. Years and years, decades before he would actually die on a cross, Simeon looked in her in the eyes and said, the day's going to come when what happens with this little one is going to break your heart. And it's exactly what happened as Jesus watched her own son crucified on a cross. But what I want you to do here is use, again, that God-given imagination you have and to see Joe and Mary enter into the temple of the Lord, the most ornate, beautiful place in Palestine and certainly the most amazing building in all of Jerusalem. And I want you to see this uh, couple, this common, uh, nothing really special about them, blue collar, he was a carpenter, couple coming with their newborn baby, and again, a couple squawking birds in hand. And then they uh, are approached by this old man that, as far as we know, they didn't know. And the Bible, Luke describes him as righteous and devout. And before they knew it, this old guy, Simeon, has got Jesus in his arms. He came to Mary, let me hold that baby. He's got Jesus in his arms. And he begins to prophesy and bless. And I think with tears in his eyes and joy on his lips, he spoke a blessing and prophesied over this family. And again, it says in verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what had been said about Jesus. This whole experience is just another surreal and amazing encounter in the birth story of Jesus. But what I want us today to do is to focus on this old man, this righteous and devout man named Simeon and what we can learn from his life. Here's the first thing. Number one, we need to live life with a holy expectation. First thing I want you to, to see in Simeon and to learn and to put into place in your own life is to live with a holy expectation. In other words, live your life looking for God to show up. I said last week that some of you live boring Christian lives because you've stopped saying yes to God. You've stopped being willing to take risks. You're not walking and living in faith. You're not living in that moment-to-moment uh, Lord, what do you want? I'll do anything for you. I'll surrender. I'm, I, I'll say yes to you. And so some of us, quite frankly, we live fairly mundane, boring lives because we've stopped taking risks and living in faith. Another challenge for many of us, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but I, I know this to be true in my own life at times and true in many of your lives, that lots of us don't wake up every morning truly expecting anything from God. We show up at church on Sunday, which is great. I am glad you're here. 
But for some of us, the only time we really seriously think much about God or about our life in God and relationship with him is on Sunday morning for an hour. And guys, again, I love what we do here. This is an important part of your walk. This is our community of faith where we gather to celebrate and be encouraged by the word. It's awesome. But your walk with God needs to be way more than just an hour on Sunday. And God wants you to live with a moment-to-moment, day-to-day, week-long, all the time, expectant heart towards him. We need to wake up every day thinking, I wonder what God's going to do today in and through my life. But too many of us don't live with expectant hearts that are looking for God in the midst of our everyday lives. We run through our routine, whatever that might be, and we all have routines. Some of us are more routine than others. I'm pretty routine. Some of us are way, you know, more routine. We, I mean, I brush my teeth the exact same way every day. I start on the same, think about it this week. I always start on the bottom left. I don't know why, but I do. And it struck me this week. We all have these routines. We, you have your, your routine you go through in the morning. You know, for me, I, I get up and uh, I, I brush my teeth because I can't stand my breath. And, and then I put my robe on to go out and hit the newspaper. Which, by the way, just on a side note, I still don't understand why women wear dresses doesn't make sense to me. I go out in my robe and I'm freezing my tush off. Way too cold. So anyhow, I'm sorry, it has nothing to do with the message. But so I go out and I get my paper and I bring it in and I sort it out and I always give my wife the comics. I mean, that's my routine. I get up, I get dressed, I get ready to go to work. Uh, I spend some time in the Word. I spend some time in prayer. I stop at the same coffee place nine times out of ten. I get the same coffee drink 99 times out of 100. We have routines. That's what we do. I get to work and I do my thing. You guys do the same thing. And here's the challenge. Are we looking for God? In the midst of the routine and the mundane, are we living with an expectation? I think so little of us live with an expectation of encountering God. We're so locked into the routine, the pattern, the, we just know it's going to happen tomorrow because it's Monday. That we don't really live with a heart that's, that's really looking for God to show up. And I want to encourage you to live expecting God to inhabit your life. Are you living in such a way that you expect him to intervene even in your routine or mundane ex- existence with something maybe simple but still marvelous because it's God? Or maybe even something miraculous? A lot of us live our lives filled with what you know, we commonly refer to as white noise. You know what I'm talking about? That, that's really pathetic white noise, huh? We, we, we live with that, that, that just background thing that just surrounds us. It's that white noise. And what do we use white noise for most of the time? To sleep, to just kind of tune out. And some of us live our lives surrounded with white noise and we don't live with this expectation. And guys, God has so much more for you than that. He wants you to live every day with an expectant heart. Now, I am not saying that every day you're going to have some life-changing, life-altering experience. I'm not saying that every day is going to be the mountaintop. But I do believe that we should approach every day, approach every day of our lives with eyes wide open, with a heart expecting God to reveal himself. Verse 25, Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. It's such a powerful statement. This man was expecting God. He was waiting for the promise of the Messiah. And those three powerful words, Simeon was waiting. He was watching. He was looking. God the Holy Spirit had given this guy a promise. You're not going to kick the bucket, buddy, until you see the Messiah come. And, you know, I'm afraid some of us miss this, especially we Gentiles, we miss the significance and awesomeness of this promise to Simeon. Because for hundreds of years, every faithful Jew expected the Messiah to come 
to deliver Israel. They expected it. It was their greatest hope and their most anticipated event that they looked forward to. But Simeon had this promise, you're not going to die. You will not leave planet Earth until you see that moment. And Simeon lived maybe months, years, maybe decades with that great expectation that he would see with his own eyes the promised one of God. He didn't know when. He didn't know where. He didn't know how. But he lived every day of his life with a holy expectation. Maybe today is the day. Maybe this will be the day when that promise will be fulfilled. Lots of us are waiting for uh, packages. We are anticipating something in the mail. Uh, You ordered something online, and you're excited about it, and you want to get it before your spouse sees it so that they don't know it, you know, it's coming. And and so you, you know, you're checking the mailbox of the post office, or you're opening your door, you know, one, two, 20 times a day, looking to make sure that UPS hasn't come by. I know one of the things I'm expecting, my mom always sends me every year Christmas cookies, and she makes these things, she calls them cocoons. They're like, they're decadent, they're amazing, and they're covered with white powder, and they're just awesome. And I, mom, by the way, if you're, I'm expecting them. So you, we get these cookies, and, and I'm expecting that. I'm, I'm living with this anticipation. You think, well, that's kind of a silly thing. My point is, do you live your life? Are you living every day of your life with that kind of confident expectation, that hope? Are you looking for God to show up in your life? Are you looking for him to, to work in you where you work, where you live, in your neighborhood, where you go to school? Are you anticipating his presence and his power to be re- revealed to you? Are you expecting, watching for God to do something in and through you? Are you expecting God to show up? And that's a question only you can ask. But I want you to leave today really challenged by this. I want you at least for a while, tomorrow, and hopefully the rest of your life, but tomorrow to get up and think, what's God going to do today? What, where am I going to see God do something? Where am I going to watch him and see him? And, and I want you to live with that expectant heart. The writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and, listen, that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, the passage is about faith and encouraging faith. But there's this truth mixed in here that we can't miss. The Bible says God rewards those who are earnestly seeking him. Are you earnestly looking for him, seeking him? The Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Now that verse has always blown me away because I tell you guys, I'm a pretty big asker. And I, I got a pretty good imagination. But the Bible says that God is able to do immeasurably more. We can't even wrap our heads around it. We can't even begin to measure what God can do. God is able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Are you living with that expectation? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Are you seeing him? Are you earnestly seeking him? Are you believing that he can do and wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine? Are you seeing God work in and around your life? Are you living with a holy expectation? James 4, 2 says, we do not have because we do not ask. Sometimes we just don't have simply because we don't ask. I wonder how often we don't see because we are not looking. I think, well, am I, again, supposed to see the, you know, this Red Sea part? How do I see God? Where, am I, where should I look for God? Sometimes it's in the little things. I saw God this week in act of kindness done for a single mom. I saw Jesus there. I saw God as, as a person who's recently lost 
her father was encouraged and cared for by the church, by the body of Christ. I saw Jesus there. I saw Jesus as my wife this week, spent lots of hours baking cookies and delivering them to our neighbors and to some friends. And it's a, it's a labor of love. She doesn't think, well, come on. You saw God on a cookie? Believe me, I saw God on a cookie. <laughs> in the act of selfless, sacrificial care. Of the time she took and of just the simple thing. I think, well, that's not, yes, it is. I saw Jesus through an act of kindness that my wife demonstrated to our neighbors. I saw God this week as I had co coffee with a friend on Thursday who encouraged and challenged me in ways that I couldn't begin to describe for you. Blessed me over a cup of coffee. I saw Jesus there. Again, every day is not going to be see the baby Jesus, Messiah, the Savior of the world sort of day, like Simeon had. I know that. But every day we must live with this holy expectation and see God at work. Why? Why am I beating this drum? Why do I want you to leave you today with a different perspective and looking for God in your life? Here's, well, here's the why. Because when you do, it will change you. One of the things it'll do, it'll turn you from a grumpy person at times into a thankful person filled with praise. Verse 28 says, Simeon took the baby Jesus in his arms and he praised God. And you've got to understand, again, if you're waiting and looking for something for maybe decades, for a long time, and suddenly the, that promise is there in your arms. Simeon took that baby and he was overwhelmed with gratefulness, with thankfulness, with praise for God. One of the reasons why I want you to see God in your life this week is because it'll make you a more thankful person. Think, well, I'm going through some really hard things. I don't got a job. I don't have money. I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got relational problems, this challenge, that challenge. I know. I understand. But I also know this, that when you see God even in the midst of your hardship, maybe it's to the comfort of a friend, the kind word of someone who loves you. Maybe it's to just the hug of somebody who says, man, I'm here for you. Let me know what I can do. That's where we see God in the midst of our struggle. David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. David saw God. And he lived with the expectation that God would never leave him or forsake him. And it filled him with praise. Guys, if you haven't figured this out yet, let me just break this news to you. Life is hard. It's hard. And there's plenty to get all grumpy and Ebenezer Scrooge about. There is. I know that. But when we lived wide-eyed and watching for God work, working in our life, for God's presence, even through the small things, that's when our hearts will be lifted out of the mud and out of the, the mundane and out of the struggles. And we'll be in a place where we'll see him. And it will fill us with something that we could never have without that. That's why we need to see God wants you to live with a holy expectation. Here's the second thing we learned from Simeon. And you need to pay, pay close attention to this one because I'm about to show you how to better see God. Number two, we need to live life full of and led by the Holy Spirit. Live life full of and led by the Holy Spirit. One of the things that always amazes me about God is that everything he calls us to do, he empowers us to do. Have you figured that out yet? When God asks you to do something, he never says, Good luck with that, Jim. I hope it works out for you. you know, no. What he says is, I'm calling you to this. I, I want you to live this way. I want you to follow me with this radical passion. I want you to live sacrificially. I want you to, to live selflessly. I want you to be otherly focused. All the things we talked about even last week. And he says, but I'm going to give you everything you need to do exactly what I've called you to do. But some of us, we understand what we're supposed to do. I need to see God. But we don't have God helping us see God. 
And we're trying to live life, the Christian life, in our own power. And that lasts for about, in my case, two minutes. I can't do it without him. I can't do anything without him. And I need his presence, his power. I need to be full of the Holy Spirit. And when we aren't able to better, to, we, are, we aren't able to better see God when we are empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. So the more full of him we are, the more we see him and recognize him. When we're full of the Spirit and led by the Spirit, we become sensitized to his presence and his power in our lives. Let me put it this way. What we experience, we become aware of. And it's a simple principle, but it's very true. In fact, it's true in every area of your life. If you this week bought a Volkswagen Beetle, trust me, all of a sudden you're gonna start seeing Volkswagen Beetles everywhere because what we experience, we become aware of. The more we experience God in his presence in life, the more aware of him we are. Some of you ladies have recently perhaps dyed your hair. I talked to somebody, they dyed their hair red. You know, it's always, you dye your hair red, what do you notice? Thousand redheads. All of a sudden, everybody's got their hair dyed red. And then what do you do? You go blonde. So, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, but why? Because suddenly we're aware of something because we've been sensitized to it. Some of you are Cougar fans. And uh, besides being chronically depressed in the football season, you see Coug paraphernalia everywhere because you're a Cougar fan. You know, Duck fans like me, we don't see it, we don't care. But, sorry. <laughs> Email brian at eastpointchurch.org. That's our kind of standard. That's the inside joke, sorry. But, I, you know, the thing is, what you are sensitive to, you're aware of. Kid walked in the service and he had a big old O on his chest, you know, and I know what that is. I'm, I'm aware of that. What we experience, we become aware of. And to the degree that we encounter God, experience God, have God's presence in our life, we are full of him, then we're going to see him and be aware of his presence around us. Now, what does any of this have to do with Simeon and Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look again at verses 25 to 27. Three different times in three verses, the Holy Spirit's referred to in this guy's life. Verse 25, Simeon. Um, it says, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, and the Holy Spirit was on him. The NLT says the Holy Spirit filled him. The Holy Spirit was on this guy. He was filled with the Spirit of God. Verse 26 says, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would see the Messiah. So not only is the Holy Spirit on him, but the Holy Spirit revealed to him, given this revelation to him, this understanding that he would not die until he saw God's anointed one. And then verse 28 says, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. There was no coincidence that he showed up at the same time Joseph and Mary did with the baby Jesus. How did he end up there at that moment in all of time? He was moved by the Holy Spirit. This is a guy who was filled by the Spirit, directed by the Spirit. He was listening to the Spirit, and, and it changed him forever. He experienced something he never would have experienced if those things weren't true in his life. I know some of you get a little nervous when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a lot of confusion out there on the one hand and craziness on the other when it comes to the Spirit of God and what it means to be full of the Spirit. I know that. Some of you are brand new to this. You're like, oh, whatever. But some of us, it really does push some buttons. I recently read a story about three young ladies in Lansing, Michigan. True story. Uh, for some uh, reason, they stripped down, got completely naked, smothered their bodies with mustard, and then they stole a van. 
And when they were pulled over by the police, the police said, what are you doing? And they're, they're, here was their response, and I'm paraphrasing, but basically goes, we were led by the Spirit to do this. And the cop says, why are you covered in mustard? Because we wanted to demonstrate that we have faith as of a mustard seed. <laughs> Craziness. And I, I, you know, I understand that there's some pretty wacky things that have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit. But that being said, the truth is, and guys, we need to get this, and some of us need to get past our fear, past our baggage, past our hang-up here. The truth is, we are to walk in the Spirit and be full of the Spirit. That's the call in the New Testament, over and over again. We're to walk in the Spirit and be filled by the Spirit. And when we do, it will profoundly affect our life, the way we live on planet Earth as we walk in our relationship with God. Just a couple of verses, and there are many I could give you. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Wrestling with stupidity in your life, doing things you don't want to do, shouldn't do, ought not to do. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk in the Spirit. Be led by, empowered by the Spirit. And to the degree that we are, then we are going to be more like Jesus and live more like him. Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but be filled. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is not a one-time thing. It happens once in your life, good, I got it, good, ready to go. It's, it's, a, it's written in the original language, the Greek of the New Testament, as an ongoing. It says, be being filled. It's an ongoing experience that we're to have with God, where we are overwhelmed. And, and it, Paul puts it in this context, instead of getting overwhelmed, intoxicated by booze, be overwhelmed and intoxicated by the Spirit of God, dread, directed and led by Him. I want to make this clear, and listen to me. If you are a Christ follower, if you have given your life to Jesus and accepted His free gift of salvation and you belong to Him, then the Bible is clear about this. And I want to be very clear. The Bible is clear you have the Spirit of God within you. When you become a child of God, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in your heart and your soul. Now, what's that mean? How that, what does that look like and where does he live? You know, it means that you, your, your body, you become the temple. The Holy Spirit now doesn't dwell in buildings. He dwells in you. That's the promise to every Christ. We can't get saved without the Holy Spirit. And he comes, he dwells, and we, are, we have the Holy Spirit within us. The question is, how full of, you, how full of the Spirit are you? How full are you? And I don't care what terminology you want to use. That doesn't matter to me as much as this reality. We are to be full of and walk in the Spirit of God. And it's an ongoing process, moment by moment, day by day, experience in our lives. It's ongoing because here's the simple truth again. We leak. We, we live in a world where just being slimed by the darkness and the brokenness of this world, we live in, in these earth suits that are not perfect yet, and though we are perfect in our relationship with God, we're not perfect in our practice yet. And because of that, we leak. We are cracked vessels that need to continually come to God the Holy Spirit and say, God, I need more of you. I need you in my life. And so we choose to walk in the Spirit so we don't satisfy the desires of the flesh. We, we come and ask God to fill us with His Spirit. And we tune our hearts to listen to the Spirit. And then, when we do, just like Simeon, that's when God reveals more of His plan more of his, his purpose, more of his life, and guides us into more of that amazing life he wants us to live. We experience God when we are walking in God. It's like a duh. 
But it's so important. We're going to know more of him. We're going to live more. We're going to know the adventure, the life that he's called us to when we live full of him. And so to the degree that we live and walk in the spirit, we're going to live aware of and experience more of God's presence and power in our lives, and we're going to see him. Because we're sensitized and full, and there's this part of our, our mind and our heart that's looking and tuned into him because we're full of him. Simeon lived a life, what I call expectant fullness. And that's what I believe God wants for all of us. He wants us to live lives of expectant fullness. And that's the call of God. He wants you to live expecting him to show up and full of him every moment of every day. Well, how does that happen? Well, let me get very practical with you. And I, this deserves its own message probably. But let me just walk through a couple of things that you need to do. How do you get full, filled with the Spirit of God? Is it something that happens once and, you know, well, I got filled with the Spirit back in 1987 and camp will be gone. You know, is that what it means? Or, or is it something that needs to happen on an ongoing basis? And again, I think it's every day. And here's what needs to happen. We surrender our lives to him. You cannot be full of God and get filled with God when you're full of your, yourself or something else. And so the first part, the first step in getting filled with the Spirit is we surrender. We empty ourselves of self. We empty ourselves of the things that fill us up, fear, angst, frustration, sin, stupidity, us. We empty ourselves of self and we come and we say, God, I need more of you. I'm, I'm surrendering my life. I'm surrendering this deal. I'm surrendering this issue to you. And right now, I, just, I ask you to come and fill me. And so that we, we surrender and then we ask. We simply ask God. Too many have made this issue of being full of the Holy Spirit way too confusing and, and uh, way too mystical. And honestly, the church has fought for hundreds of years over this issue. And what's sad is that the debate has become the focus rather than this simple truth. God wants you to be filled with him. He wants you to be filled of the Holy Spirit. And that happens by asking. Surrender and ask. One last passage, and I'll wrap this up. Jesus said this in Luke 11. And I love how practical Jesus is. And he's speaking to his disciples about something he wanted them to get, and he wants us to get this. Luke 11, verse 11 to 13. You fathers, or parents, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? And people would be shaking their head, no. I mean, if your kids ask for a, a bike for Christmas, do you give them a rock? No, of course not. Or if they ask for an egg, verse 12, do you give them a scorpion? No, of course not. And Jesus says, so if you sinful people, you broken people, know how to give good gifts to your children, listen, how much more will your heavenly Father Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Do you see what Jesus is saying here? It's not complicated. It's not rocket science. You simply ask. God's good. God's not playing games with us. And, and sometimes we think, well, do I have to? There's something that, you know, there's some manifest. No, it's just simply come. Surrender and ask God to fill you. Fill you with the Spirit. We need to live every moment of every day. Surrender to him. Surrendering our lives to him. And in that moment, in those moments, day in and day out, we constantly come and say, Lord, I need more of you and less of me. More of you and less of me. I need you to fill me with your spirit. Give me more. And the promise that Jesus made, I didn't make this up. It's not for me. The promise that Jesus made is when you ask, you'll get. That's exactly what will happen. Bow your heads. I want to pray for you. I'm going to ask you just to offer some privacy to the people around you right now and and uh, Scott, if you'll just bring the lights down too. We're going to take a moment. I want to pray for you. But I want to ask you to respond in this way. Some of you are here today, and you know that you are empty. 
you know that you are dry bones. I talk about being filled and full of the Spirit of God, and you're like, oh, man, I, I, I am so far from that right now, it's not even funny. Maybe you're filled with fear. Maybe you're filled with, with frustration or anger. Maybe you're filled with depression. Maybe you're filled with something else. Maybe you're filled with the, being caught up in the materialism and the consumerism of our culture right now. I don't know. But whatever it is that, that's filling you and you recognize that you're full of something else and it's not God, your first step this morning is to surrender that to him. And only you can do that. But you've got to do it. If you want to be filled with Jesus and leave here changed, you've got to say, Lord, I'm going to let this go. I'm going to surrender this to you. And then you ask. Say, and, and Holy Spirit, now fill me with, with your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, into my life. Come, fill me up. And then what sounds so simple, yeah, it is pretty simple. But it's powerful and it's necessary. And some of you are sitting here right now and you know that's what you need to do. And I'm going to ask you, every head bowed and eyes closed so you have some privacy. But I'm going to ask you, if you're willing to do this, to admit before God and even me, yep, that's me, I, Pastor, I need to be filled with the Spirit. I need to surrender more of my life to Him. As an act of surrender, as an act of desperation, as an act of acknowledgement that you want that and you want God this morning, would you just put your hand up in the air real quick? Just put it up in the air all over the room, hundreds of people, good. You're just putting your hand up saying, yeah, you don't have to leave it up. Just put it up. Say, God, I'm just, I'm admitting I need you. I need to surrender to you. I need to be filled with you. I am empty and dry, and, and I've been trying to do this Christian thing on my own. And God, I'm weary. I'm tired. I need more of you. Anybody else? Just put your hand up real quick. Say, yep, Lord, that's me. Good. Now I want to pray for you. Father, for those that have humbly raised their hand before you and before me, I pray, Lord, that you would show them that that's all of heaven right now is rejoicing with their choice to walk in and be filled with the Spirit. And Lord, they're going to make that decision an hour from now and tonight and tomorrow morning and the rest of their life. But they made that decision right here, right now. And you honor that. You are pleased with them. You are thankful for them and their choice to surrender whatever it is that's filled them and for their desire to be filled with more of you. And so my prayer is, Holy Spirit, come. Fill them. Fill them. Let your spirit, Lord, just rest over them as your hand was on Simeon, as your spirit was on Simeon. Let your spirit be on them right now. And as they let go of these things, Lord, they need to let go of, Lord, as they empty themselves, just let the rush of that river of the Spirit of God, that flow of the presence of God, that, that power of God, the Holy Spirit, let it come. Let it fill their hearts right now as they surrender to you and are filled with you. Lord, there's some here today. In fact, you, maybe you're here right now and you've not started your life as a Christ follower. And I want to pray for you. And I want to pray a prayer that I'm going to ask you just to own. And you're thinking, man, I, I haven't even began my life as a Christ follower. I, I don't think I have the Spirit of God at all. You don't until you say yes to God, until you become His child. And if you're here today and you know it's time to begin your life as a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus, to surrender your life to Him and to embrace His free gift of salvation, His grace and mercy in your life, then just make this prayer yours right now. Father, forgive me. I need Jesus. I need a Savior. I need you. And so I'm surrendering everything. All that I am, all that I want to be, I, it, I surrender my life to you. And in this moment, God, I'm, I'm choosing to, to give up because I know I need you in my life. And so I, I surrender. 
And I ask you to forgive me, to give me your grace, your mercy. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come and live in me now. Make me a child of God. Now, if that's you, whether you're sitting in this room or you're watching online, if that's you, in your heart, just say, yep, God, that's me. Maybe you've been gone. You've been a prodigal son or daughter, and it's time for you to come home. Just say, yes, Lord, that's me. That's what I want. I need God, and I choose him, and I surrender to him. And the Bible says the instant you do, you become his child, and the Spirit of God takes up his residence in your heart. Lord, for those making that choice, seal in them by the work of the Holy Spirit what they've chosen to do today, and what they've accepted from you today. Show them and fill them right now. Fill them with your Spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with this new song that James played for me this week, and man, it is awesome. And it's new. I know some of you may not know the words. Maybe some of you just need to close your eyes and, and let this moment uh, for you be a time of being refueled and refilled. But I, I want you to sing this as a prayer to God. The ushers are going to come. We're going to take our offering during this time. You've got the communication card. Drop it in and, and a give to support what Jesus is doing because you love him, what he's doing. Yes, yes. But don't miss the power of these words. Make these words your prayer to him right now. Let's sing it. I'll come back and wrap it up. There's nothing that I long for more you, for our church, for us to be overwhelmed by his presence, to live with that experience every day of our lives. I wonder sometimes, guys, like it wakes me up in the middle of the night sometimes, I wonder what could happen with a thousand people who attend a place called East Point on the backside of nowhere. What could happen with a thousand people who long for God in that way, who live experiencing his presence in their work? they go to school in their neighborhoods and their families what would change about our city our county what impact could we make if we live with that kind of hunger and longing and awareness experience of God the Holy Spirit in our lives that's what he wants for you and that's my prayer today if you begin your life as a Christ follower I encourage you to tell somebody let us walk in this journey with you they're back on the tables. There's a packet. This is for new believers on it. It's got a Bible. It's material to get you started walking with Jesus. Pick one of those up. There's more tickets there. Again, who's one invitation away from a changed life? Grab more of those tickets. And invite your friends. Invite them to come. If you need prayer, there'll be prayer team down front. There's communion on both sides. And both of Sarah's are going to be right up front here. We need about 50 people. So don't go that way. Come this way to sign up to help with Adventureland. If you want to work with kids, you can do it as a family in one service and attend another. Or just help us in the connections team with the hand out candles and greeting people. And, and I really need some extra help this Christmas. Come down and see the Sarahs. But here's my prayer for you guys. My hope for you this week is that you live with expected fullness. Expected fullness. God bless you. Go in his name. Thanks, God, for coming today.